Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. This week we're going to be tackling the NBA Finals that just ended, the U.S. Olympics, and what's happening with the men's basketball team there. OU and Texas trying to join the SEC, lots of reaction there. Uh, And then also going to be going over some NIL and looking forward to what's next in the sports world with our first guest, Chris Cody, joining us. I am your host, Jake Lance, and this is Between the Cleats. Welcome, everybody. Today is July 25th, and the Milwaukee Bucks are the NBA champions about five days ago. We're getting around to this kind of late just to make sure that we're on schedule with the new schedule between the cleats is going to be hitting every Monday morning. And so, yeah, let's kind of just jump right into it. I've got Chris Cody with me, and he is the first one to actually have told me Bucks and Six. Is that not right, Chris? That is correct, sir. What was the reasoning behind you even thinking Bucks and Six? Or was it just kind of just like you just wanted to say it to say it? So for the longest time, I was a Portland Trail Blazers fan and was a big uh, D-Lil supporter. And <laughs> just looking at the way that the Bucks progressed down the court, obvious shooters and Devin Booker and Chris Paul on uh, the Suns, but looking at the Bucks defense and just their aggression towards game three and going into the rest yeah. of the series kind of just opened up a whole new world for I don't know bucks and six man totally no it just kind of looked like it just looked like when the Suns couldn't shoot it was just like that's that's it like they, they didn't play defense I mean Chris Paul all he does is throw dimes to assist which is fine like yeah he, they score a ton but if they're not able to get in the backcourt and defend it all I mean Giannis is going to eat them up and I think earlier in one of my podcasts I was questioning if Giannis was even healthy uh, but wow I could not have been more wrong he's he's the best player in the NBA right now hands down like no doubt at all. I mean, he showed it there. And I think it's funny because a lot of people were saying maybe Chris Middleton probably deserved that finals MVP, which, yeah, he had a few couple a few games there. But I think Giannis finishing out that game six, making his free throws and not taking 10 years to take each free throw. And obviously that 50 piece kind of submitted that finals MVP for him. But man, that was a that was a really great series. I think everybody during the season thought it was going to be the Nets and the Suns, but I don't think a single person was mad that the Bucks won that championship. Not at all. Not at all. Like that's one of the most likable teams in the past probably 10 years because I mean going back to like the Cavs and the Lakers last year and Golden State, everybody hated them or just like it was very split 50-50. This year it was kind of just like uh, you didn't hate to see either team win it, but it was really good to see Giannis kind of etch his name in stone, I guess. And uh, yeah, no, that was that was really cool. But yeah, no, it was great. Bucks and six. That was really good. I had a question though, Chris. Who, who are you taking next year? Who's like the favorite for next year? So I saw some projections, obviously way too early polls come out on ESPN, House of Highlights, you name the social media, and way too early projections for 2022 have come out already. And 
obviously the Nets are up in the top three in every single early poll that you look at. Kevin Durant kind of being the spearhead for that team. And if you would have asked me three weeks ago who I would have thought the Nets were totally going to be at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. But having looked at Team USA's performance in the Olympics, I don't really know anymore. I think some of the most prominent figures in the NBA, James Harden, Kevin Durant, just to name a few shooters. But, I mean, Team USA taking big losses left and right leading up to the Olympics and at the time of this recording, I mean, playing, fighting to stay alive in the Olympics. I mean, that is <laughs> unheard yeah. of for Team USA. So No, I, I literally was going to ask this question here in a minute. Yeah, but I agree. I think Nets are the clear favorite for next year. It wouldn't surprise me if Bucks showed up again. They're not really losing anybody. But is KD trolling the, the U.S., Team U.S.? Like, I think he had... 12 points today against France in the loss, 83-76. I mean, like, does he just hate the U.S. and, like, everybody that loves basketball because he didn't win his championship this year and the people just troll him constantly? Is this, like, his way at getting back at basketball fans of just, like, purposefully kind of losing this gold medal for everybody? I mean, is that, like, a far-fetched question to ask? Absolutely not. I mean, KD is notorious for being the troll of the league. I mean, whichever year you want to peg on him, I mean, there are tweets, Mm -hmm. there are Instagram posts, there are interviews where he has come out and just absolutely not given a flying flip about anybody or what anybody has to say. So if KD has a personal agenda to prove here in the Olympics, I think he is making a very big message by losing to France in the opening round of the Olympics in a historically dominant U S team. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause I saw a quote from, and I feel stupid for not knowing who it was on team France, but was saying like they have one-on-one, they outmatch France and every team in the Olympics, like by miles. But they but the guy said that t- team USA like as a team can't beat anybody like they're like the worst team in the Olympics but if you were to do one-on-ones then team USA would destroy everybody I don't know what it is, is it like somebody's cocky I mean the games are like four in the morning or something like that so it's hard to catch them but going back on like highlights and stuff is it just like the refereeing's different or I mean it's kind of like jaw dropping because we scored 76 points against France that's almost like a game in the 90s like a Piston Spurs game or something like that's 76 points I'm pretty sure Harden Devin Booker and KD could put 76 points up just by themselves against a full team I don't know it's just it's incredibly suspicious almost how bad we're playing and I don't know if it's coaching whatever but wow kind of a national embarrassment just because us just going in and beating somebody by 40 and them taking pictures with us afterwards is completely over. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. I really hope we get back on track. It'd be great to win gold in that just because we've, like, never not won gold, I'm pretty sure. But especially with, like, the star power. People say KD is one of the best to ever play basketball. If he doesn't – if we don't win the gold, you could throw that argument out the window I'm as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, I've never been a Kevin Durant fan. I mean, I think he's just – one of those guys that is not worth the hype. I mean, for the longest time, I thought the same thing about James Harden, obviously, until these last two seasons where he came out and, you know, had 
what was it, 12, 40 point plus games in a row last yeah. season or whatever. Yeah. I mean, he obviously blew my cap straight off my head, but yeah. um, I'm reading right now from USA Today. They published this this morning that this was the first U.S. loss in the Olympics since the 04 semifinals against Argentina, which <laughs> sent America into a bronze medal match. Oh, jeez. 2004. Does it say who was on that 2004 team? It doesn't right now, okay. but That's obviously awful. pegging on, yeah, pegging in a loss to France and then tacking on the losses of Nigeria and Australia. I yeah. mean, this not, has been a struggle for Team USA for a it, very long time. And it's not to take anything away from those other teams by any means, but like we shouldn't be losing to them. We uh, we shouldn't have lost three of the last four. That's like. That I mean, that's like the Cavs this past season. Like they don't, they just lose three out of four. Like this isn't a this isn't a bad team. This is a fully loaded All Star team that we're sending against guys that have you know only been averaging ten or twelve points in the FIBA. <laughs> it's just it's hilariously bad. But yeah, no, just a little bit more on Olympics. Simone Biles is the goat still. Uh, I think, Obviously, yeah, t- the women's uh, gymnastics. I believe in the qualification rounds. Or in second, but that score doesn't carry over into the into what matters basically. So they're moving on, but man, she's gonna I, mark my words. I think she'll finish with the most gold medals again this this year. It's kind of hard to knock that at all. I'm not the biggest gymnastics guy in the world, but whenever the Olympics comes around, I get I I, I try to dial in a little bit and love it some more. It's pretty cool, kind of watching her because that she is the greatest of all time, and so like. It's weird to think that in 20 years, whenever they're trying to debate who's the best gymnastics person, that'll be somebody that we saw in her prime. And so that's really cool. But I had a question, actually, Chris. So Olympics is great. Olympics is awesome. Whatever. Four years of anticipation and hype. And I mean, this year, five years. Do the Olympics suck when it's a 12 hour difference? Don't get me wrong. Olympics are still probably great and they are great. But if I'm not able to watch them live I feel like it just takes something away from it to where I could go on Twitter when I wake up in the morning and see that men's basketball lost, but I, you know, it, it airs at six o'clock the next day or whatever. Like, it's just not the same as seeing it live. D- does it take it, does it take away from how much you enjoy the Olympics? So I've been a staunch supporter of the Olympics rain track all throughout growing up, loved watching the men's hundred meter dash and seeing the fastest men on the planet race to set records, right? I mean, Usain Bolt in the early teens of 2000, uh, watching him break his own record year after year, I think every sports lover could relate to experiences like that in the Olympics. But I definitely agree that, I don't know if you've been able to kind of watch some of the platforms. Like I know like NBC and ABC and a bunch of like USA Today and a bunch of, um, yeah, they are um, streaming it. But the way that it works, like the buffering on it, the video quality, it seems like you're watching just like some event that's happening, like a Euro track event in Germany that's (laughs) happening or something. It doesn't seem like the Olympics. And with there being no spectators there either, I mean, it begs the question of obviously trying to keep people safe during a new variant of a global pandemic. But I mean, so far, I mean, they've, They've had you. The United States is sitting at eleven total medals. We've medaled in eleven events, and that's and we're not even the top. I mean, they've had thirty-five, forty, fifty events already, and it just doesn't feel like it's the Olympics. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, I totally agree. 
it's i think you made a good point of just like the no fans i mean no fans really sucks the life out of any sporting event i mean as we saw this past year you know glad that sports are happening you know if anything it's it's good that we're allowed to have this event and everything but whenever there's just no fans it's just like energy sucker this is for sure like could beg the question possibly one of the worst olympics ever which is kind of it sucks to say just because you know it is really awesome for these athletes to work four years to get to this moment or you know even longer than that work their whole lives to get to this moment just for it to really just be taken away from by covid that just blows but u.s olympics not the greatest i think the 12-hour difference isn't helping no fans don't know, you know, I think next year or sorry, the next one is in Paris and I believe in L.A. And this might just be because I'm from America and I want to see it on my time zone. But whenever it at least gets to Paris, it'll be a little bit closer in the time zone. So I think I'll enjoy it a little bit more. But when it gets to L.A., I think a lot of people are going to say it'll be one of the best just because, you know, sleeping conditions are going to be a lot better, not cardboard boxes and stuff. But anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on a little bit. Some big news out of I really just... The SEC Media Day. This is kind of where it all stemmed from, but OU and Texas are trying to join the SEC. Give me your thoughts on that. What was going through your head when you first saw that headline? So still being a SEC student, um, right now, hearing the first headline of Texas OU wanting to join the SEC, I mean, rocked any sports fan, social media, and that's all that they covered for the last week. Totally. So extensive research, everybody's been doing it. Everyone hates Texas unless you're from Texas, <laughs> Oklahoma. Everybody's kind of indifferent about it, I feel. Like Coach Riley's doing great things with the program. Kyler Murray coming out of there, I think, really brought the program kind of onto yeah. the national face again. This opened up a whole new conversation of you know kind of the downfall of the ncaa that's always been a champ in like mega conferences like the sec the pac-10 yeah. i mean whatever it is um but Pac 12 <laughs> yes but <laughs> it's it's crazy to think that powerhouse schools like texas and oklahoma who are the i mean the lifebread of the big 12 would even consider wanting to move to another yeah. conference that has powerhouses like alabama and georgia in them it kind of begs the question of what is it for money? Is it for popularity? I know with the NIL coming in, what the big 12 is for- dead. If they leave. Exactly. I and- mean, Texas has its own, its own streaming platform that you, there's literally Longhorn network. It's, it's, it's crazy to think about. And I mean, the sec does a very good job in the schools that they provide network coverage for. And I won't say refereeing because that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but there have been talks that it's not just Texas and Oklahoma at this point. Mm-hmm. I think they were just kind of the Kickstarter. I mean, I've been reading where schools like Michigan and some of the other big names that are Clemson. Out there are are looking at the SEC yeah. and being like, well, if Texas and Oklahoma go, yeah, and Alabama is already there, why would we not? It's it's going to be a super league. The SEC is going to be. I mean, if like I've seen stuff where it says it might be a twenty team super league where you know, no telling what kind of names are going to be in there. I mean, you get Clemson in there and OU and Texas. I mean, not that Texas is good, but OU, Alabama, and Clemson, that's usually number one, two, and three in the college football playoffs. I think that if that happens, that's when the, everybody, or at least that's the that's when the conversation needs to become, okay, you got to expand the playoffs because 
then it's just going to be like how it is with Alabama and Georgia every year where Georgia should probably be in the playoffs or Texas A&M should be in, but they just beat each other up during the course of the year. And so, you know, it leaves somebody out. But yeah, I think I think once we know it's become a super league is when teams that have no business being in the SEC are going to be trying to join. So like Ohio State trying to come down to the SEC, like that makes no sense at all. You know, I think we're heading in that direction of just four divisions. That'll be... I don't know if it's the death of the NCAA, but man, I think that's just going to staunch a lot of stuff because just, you know, one of the big things about the SEC over the past couple of years has been this deal that, you know, at the end of the year, they split the money equally between schools. And that way teams like, and no hate to South Carolina, but teams like South Carolina or Kentucky or Vanderbilt that might not be getting as much money as obviously Alabama or A&M with all these backers or Arkansas even. It's, it's allowing these other schools to continue to have the greatest, what's the word I'm looking for? The greatest facilities and, yeah, and recruiting in the country. So these teams, you know, they, they win two games a year, but they walk away with a new football stadium in 10 years. And so that's just kind of something that set the SEC apart. And I just wonder if whenever we eventually get more teams within the SEC, does that take that away or how does that look? Uh, is it going to cause any ripples and effects like that? It's, I don't know. It's kind of, it just feels like a slippery slope. Yeah, it for sure. I've been reading about it, how the SEC signed a $300 million deal with ESPN last year, which gave network rights to all SEC football games starting in 2024, which is expected <clears throat> to boost the conference annual distributions to its members by about $68 million. Yeah. The Big 12, it's saying, distributed $34.7 million per school recently. But projections done by Navigate Research have projected that the, between the SEC and the Big 12, it's about a $16 million <laughs> a year per team difference in the SEC's favor. $16 million can get you a lot. And for some of those schools, in, you know, the Big 10 or Big 12, it's crazy to think what a loss of arguably the two teams that bring in that viewership that would justify oh, yeah. signing deals. Oh yeah. What that could mean and where those leaves those schools. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the big 12 is dead for sure. If they leave you guys, I'm sure you've seen TCU Baylor, or I think Baylor might be one of them looking to join the pac 12. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's so messy. If anything, this whole thing has really shown that Texas A&M is the biggest wuss in all of college football. The, the AD saying that they want to be the only team from Texas is hilarious to me. I don't know. I just think the SEC, this is only going to benefit the teams that join. This just kind of leaves the question of, is it the best move for the teams that are currently in there? Like, is Greg Sankey supposed to defend the teams that are currently in the SEC? Or are they, is he supposed to defend the teams that are trying to join it? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that there's a whole a whole great conversation to be had just because this whole time this, these conversations have been happening for at least six months is what they're saying, but nobody wanted to say anything. And so coming out of the sec media day, the A&M athletic director said something to kind of blow, blow the whistle basically. So people would get talking about it. People get mad about it because he didn't, he didn't want that to happen. And so you'd like to think that there's a good plan there, obviously within the next day or two, I'm sure we'll hear kind of the official rule, but as far as it goes, Honestly, I think it'd be kind of cool. I think some schools would suffer from it, but I love good competition. And I think OU and Texas and in sports besides football can bring that. Like it'd be fun to play Texas and baseball every year. I think that's really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, the Texas-Arkansas rivalry would be revived. I would say the Alabama-Oklahoma rivalry really gets solidified into a rivalry because yeah. I oh, think it's totally. an unspoken. I mean, number one, number three, that's historic of what Alabama and Oklahoma have been for the last, I'd say, five years, right? Yeah. Clemson, you know, falls in and out from two to three to four to five in Oklahoma, which is around. And then you've got some other schools that kind of yeah. make some guest appearances in there. But if Oklahoma were to come in, Alabama would have a field day with it. And nothing better for Nick Saban to kind of lick his chops at than yeah. an easy win against Texas and having another yeah. top three school in his conference that they're guaranteed yeah. to play, if not every year, depending on if they're East or West. But yeah, every set amount of years, I think that is, and Lincoln Riley, I mean, probably the same thing, thinking I get to play Nick Saban every set he can't escape it. <laughs> it It is cool because, you know, it gives more opportunities to beat really high ranked teams because sometimes in the sec, like programs will have really off years like Kentucky will or Tennessee or South Carolina, you know, but some years these teams are top 10, top 15 teams, but to have a few other programs join like Oklahoma or Texas, where they feel like they're consistently in that top 10 uh, will give teams like Arkansas who are always seem to be looking on the outside, looking in, give them a chance to get a good quality win to boost them into rankings or, you know, like LSU, I think Joe Burrow killed Texas, by the way, I I meant to say that earlier. Uh, I don't think Texas will recover for the next 10 years, but you know, here's the thing. A&M wasn't, an incredible program before they joined the sec once they joined the sec and the recruiting and stuff they they arguably should have been that fourth spot in last year's college football playoffs so maybe this is exactly what texas wants or needs i don't know i, I cannot wait to see how this works out and like you said chris with nil and everything like the quarterback from alabama making almost a million dollars, what Saban said, there's a lot of money to be made for these players in a big conference like the SEC. So if anything, it's like almost the due diligence of the 80s at OU and Texas and Clemson to try to put them in the in the biggest spotlight for them to make the most amount of money. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I'm making a million dollars in college football to just tear up a bunch of kids, I think I would stay in college football for a little bit longer. I, would, I wouldn't have that that much of a desire. I mean, I'd have a desire to play in the NFL, but you know, it wouldn't be as strong if I'm being paid, basically I'm going to be getting paid on my rookie contract, but to win more championships quicker. I don't know. It's, it's, we're entering probably one of the most historic NCAA eras ever. And it's, it's wild. I I totally agree. I'm looking at, we're rehearsing the quarterback Bryce Young saying Nick, the quote from Nick Saban to the Texas coaches, Texas High School Coaches Association, saying that he's quote unquote nearly a millionaire already. Talking about how it's the Alabama brand and what it brings. And I mean, I think it opens up a large conversation for schools like Alabama and Clemson and Oklahoma and some of the more notorious schools just thinking about, you know, like Michigan and then basketball for Kentucky and thinking about all those other huge name schools in these sports, what that means for the players and does that bring advantages? Does it bring disadvantages? Not every Bryce, not everybody's a Bryce Young and is going to be signing contracts with like cash app and some of these huge, huge subsidiary companies that have the cash flow to kind of just throw, Mm -hmm. you know, a hundred K at a player. Mm -hmm. But Bryce Young is yet to play at Alabama. 
And the fact that he's almost a millionaire just because he's the projected starter and one of the top prospects from the 2020 class, I think that is just, I mean, it speaks to the brand of Alabama and Nick Saban, it, Tua Tungavailoa being arguably one of the most recognizable Alabama quarterbacks in the common era with social media and everything. Sorry, Jalen Hurts, but I still think Tua is better. But anyways. Um, no, I, I'm totally with you there. I mean, it's it's crazy. I'm so incredibly excited to see what happens because you're right. He hasn't even played a snap in, for Alabama, but he's almost making a million dollars just because just because that letter on his on his helmet, the big A. And so, golly, it's it's crazy. Lots going on in college football. I'm really excited to get into the season so we can start talking some college football and some some NFL coming up soon as well. Me and Chris, just kind of for the listeners, we'll be talking a little bit more about that as the season goes on, you know, doing some recaps and stuff, but also introducing some fantasy football stuff as well and give some updates of our own fantasy football league throughout the season. But yeah, kind of moving forward a little bit here, you know, we're in, we're kind of in a dead spot. It feels like moving forward with sports NBA is over Olympics is right now. It's, you know, it's only for like the next little bit here. Hockey's done. Like all we've got really is the MLB and like major league soccer. So this is such a weird spot right now to be in, especially being after the all-star break in MLB. It just feels like this is like the worst part of the season where these games, they have meaning, but they also are just, it just feels like a bunch of day games back to back to back. And MLB is not the most fun sport to watch. So for sure, end of July, early August is like the worst season of sports. And I'm not looking forward to it at all. I, I totally agree. Post home run derby and all star game in the MLB is the dead zone of all dead zones. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you the last ESPN notification that came across my phone of the MLB score updates because it's yeah. just monotonous games because they play hundreds of games throughout the season. Yeah. And no, you're, you just are, you're just kind of sitting there on your hands like, okay, so they lost this week or today. Yeah. And we're going to play again tomorrow against the exact same team. And we're probably yeah. going to win that one and we'll lose the next one. I mean, it's, yeah. no, unless it's, your team is solidified right now, which I just looking at the current standings of the MLB, I don't think any team has necessarily solidified itself, but it's kind of just crazy looking at standings right now. And seeing the differences between them because um, unless you're at the bottom of your division it's kind of like shout out royals uh, hey well we'll get to that at another day but anyways <laughs> yeah it's, it's just it's just crazy to think about no yeah i mean you're right it's uh, you know every team plays 162 games times 30 to 32 teams whatever it is it's just there's so much going on that i don't think anybody really cares about the mobile season until the beginning the first two weeks those middle two weeks, the week before the all-star break or the two weeks before the all-star break and the week of the all-star break. And then like the week right before the playoffs where, you know, three teams are fighting for that last spot. This is for sure the dead spot of sports kind of sucks right now. We'll be starting to get into some football, which is I think what everybody that's listening to this podcast wants to hear the most about. And so we're really excited for that. We are talking football though. Gold cup U S just beat Jamaica. They move on to play Qatar not a whole lot of soccer updates. Uh, I don't think me and Chris are educated in that in that spectrum, but if I want to hit everything, I mean, am I wrong to say the U.S. is best team in the world? Probably, but am I going to scream it from the mountaintops? Absolutely. They have the best jerseys. 
I haven't seen the U.S. loss lose yet. I've only started watching since the Gold Cup, so that's kind of electric. I'd love to see us in the World Cup. That'd be really fun. Nothing really going on outside of just these sports ending. But we do have something to look forward to, though, is this week we have the NBA draft, and that that is something I love to watch. Any draft, man, I just that freaking butters my chops. I just get a big dinner. I sit down and I act like I know who the the fourth pick of the ML of the of the NBA draft is because basically there's like the first two picks are the only ones that you should know. Uh, but past that, it's just all these guys that are either going to lead the league in scoring one day or are going to be no name guys, and you're going to be reading in five years. These are the top 10 biggest draft busts of all time. So I'm excited for it. Uh, I think Cade Cunningham is going first overall to the to the Pistons. I don't see that changing, followed by like Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. And then really after that, it's just kind of a free-for-all and whatever these teams want. Yeah, but, I uh, mean, the, the mock draft, any mock draft that you read, I think Cade Cunningham and just OSU's support of him has made him a clear outlier for number one overall in the draft. Yeah. And I mean, his stats are there to back it up, but I would say I totally agree that two through 10 spot is highly disputed. And then I don't know about you, but after the 10th spot, I feel like <laughs> most viewers will probably tune out on it, yeah. but I know that there's some big young players. We're talking 18 year olds straight out of high school that are yeah. going to be up very high on that draft order. And I'd be interested to see where they land because I've been reading a lot about like the Warriors needing some youth on their team. Uh, not saying, you know, mm-hmm. Steph is old or anything, but they're not young. In no, any say it, say it, Chris. I mean, looking at like, I mean, like looking at Devin Booker and teams in the Nets that yeah. finish second overall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. It starts It starts arguing, I mean, in so many injuries this season. I mean, coming out of the bubble season, there's so many injuries this season. And looking at 18-year-olds who are arguably head and shoulders way more healthy than some of these older players and seasoned veterans who, don't get me wrong, a Steph Curry logo three-pointer still beats a, a dunk any day of the week. But it's crazy to think that somebody like Cade Cunningham, who's our age, is going to be going overall number one to the Pistons yeah. and they're going to throw every zero in their bank account at him. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it is kind of crazy to see that like some of these guys that we're watching throughout the whole entire college basketball season in these high rounds, because these are the guys that we saw come to the U of A and us beat or lose to, but get to see them up close and personal. But now, you know, are going to be signing these big deals. I think for Arkansas listeners, I know we've got a few of those. Uh, Moses Moody, I believe, today actually moved up in one of the mock drafts up to 10 to the Pelicans. That's incredible. I totally could see that happening. Pelicans need someone that's a great two-way player like him. And so a lot of good things come out of the NBA draft, I hope. I'd freaking love to see Moses Moody. I'm going to get that jersey as soon as it comes out. But it's just NIL. We talk about it so much. It's going to change everything. I think these NBA drafts after this year are going to look completely different. And so that's going to be a lot of, that's going to be really cool. But so, yeah, that's everything for this week. Really, really excited to hopefully be getting on this schedule now to record Sunday nights and have the most updated sports, especially coming up into the football season. Uh, We want to be able to have everything for you for the college football games on Saturday, everything 
up to Sunday night football, be able to talk about that. Thanks again, everybody for listening. And thanks Chris for uh, being on the podcast this week, hoping that we can kind of get something locked down your contract and pay you a couple zeros to come on here every once in a while. Uh, but thank you guys. My name is Jake Lance and this was between the cleats. Mm-hmm.